We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Since I was criticized last week for not hitting the record button immediately. Who says? Uh, a lot of our Twitter uh, discourse, <laughs> as well as some of our oh fans God. on Patreon. And Lissa. As well as Lissa. <laughs> Not me. I'm going to turn Lissa up because I know she's hungover. <laughs> Lissa, can you say something? I, even if you don't plan on saying a lot, just say something for now. Something. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, how's everybody doing this week? Doing pretty all right. <laughs> wow, well, good. I'm glad yeah. that you're really in the podcasting mood. I'm doing uh, pretty all right as well. I'm trying to hype all myself right, all up. All right, all right, all right. I got. Yeah. A... I mean, you want? I can. I can open us with a really. I, I can open us up with a story. You're gonna open yesterday. me up with a story. Go! Yeah. I dare you. I dare you to try to break my very stern and kratos like facade I, I, cement is usually what i am most uh accurately mm, compared mm-hmm. to most days uh you know this is true i'm a brick wall wait in terms of humor or, or what are we talking here emotion yeah. i'm a very i'm a very stoic man don't you know Lisa? it's because mm. you're a taurus <laughs> 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 all of my friends including Charday, know that like if you really want to hit me on multiple levels just mention astrology but mock me with it it just is, is the perfect way to, to set me off uh you're welcome i want you to know you can't get to me okay like i said brick wall i've already gotten to you i've already made you laugh so like listen <laughs> mission accomplished i want to hear your story but for the record because okay. not everybody listening knows me I'm being sarcastic. I'm a very emotional man. <laughs> I beat God of War Ragnarok last night. Uh, or job. I guess, I mean, th- oh, thank you. I've never been told good job for beating a game before. Well, I know. Well, all, well, also, you have kids and you have a lot going on. So the fact that you beat a video game is honestly an accomplishment. I genuinely mean good job. I really appreciate that. I'm going to cry again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. But like, I, I beat it and like, I'm like sobbing. It's like 3 a.m. And I woke my, my, my son up and he goes out and I'm just like hugging him. It's a very father son emotional yeah. game. Yeah. And he He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just crying. <laughs> and he was so, Aww. so sweet. But uh, yeah, no, not, not really a brick wall. I'm getting, I'm getting teary eyed just talking about getting teary eyed. So um, just, you know, look behind the curtain. Sharday, I would love to hear your story to get us started. It's not nearly that emotional. Um, it's just something that happened to me yesterday that if anybody wants to feel better about themselves, um, this is the story for you. So yesterday um, was the first like full day I'm puppy sitting for my aunt and uncle. They are avid travelers after, well, before and after COVID, but I think they're making up for all their COVID travel now. So I'm puppy sitting for them a lot. So I'm over their place now. It's about an hour from where I usually live. (laughs) And (laughs) so I packed up everything, drove over here on Sunday after D&D. 
And then I wake up the next day and I had a pretty chill day and I'm just like, okay, I don't really need to do a whole lot. I just need to do these three things. And then by the time I got around to the time of day where I needed to do those three things, I needed my computer to do those things. And um, I forgot my computer charger at home. <laughs> oh no. How does one do that in this day and age? I, I've never done that before. Like I'm usually so good about packing up my laptop and making sure I have my charger. Like my laptop was here at the house. Sure, sure. But my charger was not. So I had to uh, <laughs> go drive all the way home and drive all the way back yesterday so i did an unnecessary amount of driving because i was a little dumb and i forgot my computer charger or you did the and... exact correct necessary amount of driving because you forgot it <laughs> check those I did. boxes I would... honestly i would have just ordered a replacement off amazon but it wouldn't have gotten here quick enough for recording today so i had to drive <laughs> i would have been real lazy about it and just bought another one i, I know it's that the year out. of our lord 2022 but there are still big box stores in that neighborhood you could have gone to a best buy and like grab one for like 20 mm, bucks yeah but then i would need to like be around other people i, I get it i get it myself. like I, i'm not saying that that's what i would have done <laughs> I also just forget that Best Buy exists. Yeah, Doesn't as you should. Either. Doesn't that also mean she'd have to drive to the Best Buy as well? But it's so like, like a lot closer than her driving all the way home. It I would know. have been. <laughs> I drove. A, I drove an hour back and then an hour back to. I, an hour there and an hour back to my uncle's place. So I did two hours of driving when I shouldn't really need to. If, I should have just gone to the store. Exactly. If you don't know like the greater metro areas of like the cities just outside of Detroit. Like, there's, it, it, it's this really weird hellscape of, here's this desolate city, and then here's farmlands, and then randomly <laughs> suburbs. So it's like, here's Walmart, <laughs> for no reason, in this mm. weird, like, um, tri-county tri area. So, like, there's always, within, like, reach, um, an area where you can go party, an area where you can go buy corn, and an area where you can go buy cords. <laughs> So, like, wherever you are in Michigan, you can always find it, at least within an hour of it. So, uh, we don't have trains, but we do have that. I, don't, I wouldn't call it convenient. I'd call it chaos. I would rather, I would rather have trains. I would much rather yeah. have trains. It would be great. I The one thing trains I stress the most Buses on, are great. yeah, is, like, driving in the winter. I can do it. People look yeah. at me when I say that, like, oh, you can't do it. You lived in Michigan your whole life. I totally can I've never been in an accident yeah. because of Doesn't winter. You want to? Exactly. It's still nerve wracking. I have children. I was gonna say I got in a car wreck in, in winter. Like I understand the try the trials and tribulations of driving in the winter time, and I still have PTSD about it. I'll still do it if necessary. I will avoid it at all costs. But except for not the cost of having to go into a Best Buy. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Thankfully, I. I it probably that probably would have been my first priority was to find a Best Buy if it was really bad out like weather wise yesterday, but it was actually kind of nice. It was yeah. Cold, yesterday it was, nice. it was like a reprieve because we we had storms all weekend. I I was yeah like four hours snow all weekend. yeah to the north. I was snowed in on a lake. Oh God! And I'm like, it was I'm cool. Sorry. We were all safe. I had the fireplace going. It was great. It was actually a pretty good time. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then at night I played God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> it was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> uh lissa how about you how, how's everything going i i know before we pressed record i said well lissa's hung over so how's that treating you 
Uh, not that bad. I didn't drink that much, um, and I didn't lose my voice too badly. Uh, but yes, I was at a concert yesterday. <laughs> I know that was something like you were kind of afraid of. You were like, "Well, I don't know if I'm gonna make it because I'm gonna be recovering." <laughs> I mean, my I can he I can feel like my voice is strained because I was screaming Aww. my head off because I'm one of those bitches um, who's <laughs> pissing off every everybody who's like around me, and I'm like fully like immersed in the show, and I don't give a shit whatever anyone thinks. So like, yes, I'm jumping up and down. Yes, I'm you know dancing and singing along yes i'm screaming my head off and um uh well my voice is a bit you know tired and my neck hurts like hell but um otherwise it was a very successful evening and i made some new friends with strangers i i love that you wow. word it as like successful like it could have been a failure going to see this concert <laughs> <laughs> no no it could not i mean the the concert itself I mean, the concert was going to be good anyway. It was just, like, everything around the concert, like, getting there, getting out of there. Those always have the tendency to... Something always happens. Let's 100%. Just 100%. Mm. It's like, what is your parking lot experience when it comes to the concert? Because everything's good when you're there, but, like, what's going to go down on your way out is always an issue for me. And the other issue is that I'm a big eater, when I go and do things. So if it's a venue that doesn't have like food nearby, like I'm just miserable the whole time because I, I don't like going to see live music that much anyways. I have, Music is a passive experience for me. So when I do have to go see a show, I'm like, either we're stopping for food, can I bring in snacks, or there better be a <laughs> hot dog vendor there. That's something good about like Michigan is most times when you go to see someone in a show is like they have the Chicago-like venue where it's like it's already a sports stadium or they have sports stadium seating with sports stadium food so I can get hot dogs, nachos, an excessive amount of both lots of beer and then i can be you know lulled into a false sense of security and sit with my hot dog and enjoy watching florence and the machine or whatever um i weird pull that i think that was the last concert i went to is that and gwen stefani uh i mm, i don't go Jesus. often i know I, I don't go to live music very often and before all of that i saw green day and Bayside, uh, which you probably don't know what Bayside is, but like, no. think like I went in Warp Tour 2010. Oh, um, it was like the last like concert. People. Yeah, I see lots of like indie mm. shows and stuff because I have lots of friends that play in bands and stuff like that. And I go to support them. I'm not a big mm. concert goer. I'm such a dad when I go to like I nod a little bit, tap my foot. I <laughs> I don't yell until somebody asks me to yell, like if they want help doing something. Uh, like cheering on the, the the band, like you know, some bands ask, they go, "Hey, cheering cheer!" Like then I'll cheer on the band. Oh, I thought um, it, I thought it was I thought you were saying you you're not gonna yell until someone has an emergency. And I do that to, like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I like to help them. Listen, I talk for half of my living, so I try to preserve <laughs> my voice, and I am very loud, so mm. it has much more of an effect when you don't do it like on command. Uh, so unless somebody asks for it, I don't do it. Uh, but I'm boring when I go to those shows. I am not the fun guy. Uh, I also don't like being around people, let alone strangers. So the fact that you made friends with a stranger stressed me out just a little bit. Oh, I made I made friends on the tube on the way there before I was drunk. I made friends, and then after I'd had one um, cider, then I made friends with some random drunk guys on the way back to the tube, and I found two Finnish people who obviously I needed to talk to because I heard Finnish. 
Oh my I, like, god. I immediately turned around and like we were going to the tube and I like disregarded the fact that my um ex roommate was there and wanted was cold and wanted to go to the tube and I was like, Oh my god, you speak Finnish and I started talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, your poor roommate. <laughs> she had no idea what you were saying. <laughs> like she was I know. probably standing then, there like what the fuck? <laughs> and then like seven or five minutes later I was like, Oh yeah, and um this is my uh friend here. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. Into the conversation. Oh, Jesus. Remind yeah. me to never go to a concert with you. You're too social. I couldn't handle exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm actively trying not to, like, pick fights with people when I go to concerts. Because everyone has it. Because the thing is, I accept. I'm like, everybody has a different thing that they find acceptable at concerts. Like you said, like, you're the one that bothers people because you yell. I accept that that's a thing that's going to happen to the people next to me. People are going to be screaming. It's fine. That's why, again, I'd rather listen to music at home. Um, but I, I kind of accept that. But there are other things that piss me off. Like, I hate when it's, like, an indoor venue or a really close venue. So even if it's outdoor but you're packed really close, people are smoking just because I have mm. lung issues. So I'm just, like, annoyed. I'm like, come on. But I understand. I'm like, it's a thing that I have to accept if I'm going to go see this live concert. But everybody else has their own deals. They're like, oh, who brings a back? Backpack to a show. I'm like, I don't know. People who buy merch. Why are you yelling at me for my backpack? I also have tons of snacks. You want an apple pouch? Uh, like, because I have it. <laughs> like, that's something I get yelled at a lot when I go to shows because I buy merch because I don't do it often. I want, uh, I want, you know, a poster. I want T-shirts. I'm gonna pack it all in. So I get yelled at a lot if it's like a stand-up show or there's a mosh pit because I wear a backpack and that pisses people off. Uh, so I don't like that everyone has different rules. I like things like the movie theater, where we all have the same fucking rules. Put your cell phone away. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, don't you bump my seat. People still break those rules, though. Oh, they do, but I'm allowed to be mad at them in, in the social construct <laughs> of the movie theater. No one's like, oh, that guy's crazy. When I yell at the guy talking on his phone, they're like, yeah, get him. <laughs> like we all have the same rules for it whereas when you go to a concert everyone's got different rules um and <laughs> i feel like <laughs> i feel like uh my neurodivergence is showing a little bit as i go on this rant but it just I, the fact that we don't all agree on the rules is something that stresses me out so i just listen to music on spotify it's fine <laughs> Oh, I don't think I don't think I mentioned which concert I went to. Yeah, so like, yeah, maybe, yeah. If people want to find this interesting at all, I suppose. What did you go see, yeah, so Lisa? The, this, the Finnish story makes a little bit more sense when I say I went to watch. Um, if you're in the metal scene, um, Nightwish, which is a oh, Finnish band. Oh yeah, I was just were, listening to Nightwish. They were Nightwish. They were pre-showed by uh, Beast in Black and oh. uh, another ba Finnish band that sings in Finnish, which is death metal, called Durmion Katilat. I don't know that one. You got me. Nope. You, you eventually reach the point where I'm like, I'm not even hipster enough to know any of these. I actually, I actually like was talking to the people sitting next to me because they were like, I, we don't know how to pronounce it. And I turned around. And I was like, I do. Can you say it again? <laughs> oh just God. just so I can feel uh, inferior again. Turmion Catilot. Dope. Dope. Yep. <laughs> can you send me a Spotify link when this is all done? Yeah, yes I can. Okay. Uh Finnish metal is usually like uh top tier when it comes not just death metal, but just in general. Um trying to bring up the band that I've been listening to if I can find it. Uh, I don't know if they're Finnish. They're definitely Scandinavian of some sort, just because I can hear the accents. Um, they were featured on uh, the Peacemaker soundtrack, and I've been 
super duper into them. I'll find that here in a second. But for all the people who are like, why are we talking about all this like finished death metal and going to shows and social anxiety? Well, this is Cave Trolls, baby. All right. That's what we do here. We also sometimes talk about TTRPG news and the D&D news of the day. Sometimes, I guess, if we have to. But since we're the only D&D news show, we probably should jump into it. Um, I'm your faithful host, Terry Smith. And with me, as always, is one half of the Slavenly Trolls, Sharday. I don't think she's there, so it must be me. I'm... <laughs> no, no, listen, I'm I'm here. There's just a dog going a little bit crazy because somebody rang the doorbell. Hi, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> Would you get a package? I don't know why that excited me so much, like a little I... kid, like there's a present there for me. No, I didn't. Uh, my aunt and uncle might have, but it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and the other half of the Slavenly Trolls, uh, Alyssa, how are you doing? Yes, it's me, Lisa. <laughs> the more interesting one. Like, me and Char are like, I yeah, don't know, I don't want to drive into a, base, a Best Buy. The more social one, you know? It, it makes me automatically more interesting and better in every way whatsoever. I see, I can't agree with all of that, but I feel like more people would. <laughs> so, um, I Listen, like, when me and Char are at a party of people that we've chosen, we're great. We're very entertaining. We're very outgoing and sociable, and people are like, oh, they're so fun. But when you're bringing in strangers, yeah. that's just not our vibe. That's just not what we want to do. If there is one, per- if there is one person that I don't know at a party, I get very awkward very quickly. <laughs> I, I if, if I'm surrounded by lots of people I know, I'll go and greet the person and make a new friend or whatever because I'm on my own I turf kind of thing. But nope. I'm definitely not doing it out in public. I because here's the thing. I know I'm not, or I guess I know, I, I assume I'm not going to like that person as much as I like like you guys, you know what I mean? Like, I have friends that I have things in common with that I already like. It's like why I don't make a lot of friends with my coworkers. I have a few that I made over the years, and now I just work with my friends, so it's nice. But, like, in the past when I worked at, like, offices and stuff, I made friends with my coworkers that had the exact same things we were into so we could make work bearable, and then we became friends. I don't normally just make friends with my coworkers because, like, like, I don't know, we both work at Pizza Hut. That's not enough for us to be friends. Like, <laughs> do you want to go talk about D&D for four and a half hours? Because that's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, I, I make, I try to make friends, but then I don't really know if they're friends or if they're colleagues. Because not everybody feels the same way and is as social as me. And then likes me as much as i just generally enjoy other people right so my life is just a sad stories of like me making a, a bunch of friendships and then they just like eh we don't like her anyway so the yeah, band is the finished lissa just to cheer you up a little bit the band I've been Which li- one? it is uh reckless love oh my god reckless love um i've been jamming to them sorry i forgot the name but i was like they, i think they're finished like even just yeah, like, like just like the, the accent and i looked it up I'm like yep yeah, they are 100 finished uh they're awesome i love them they are going to be featured on all the soundtracks of my upcoming games so very very excited Ooh. uh yeah I, I i think they they featured uh their song monster was on peacemaker for like 30 seconds at the end of an episode and i was like i must listen to their entire discography this sounds amazing um so if we ever find ourselves in the same country at the same time, Lissa, I would love to go to a show with you just to purely see you out in the wild making friends with strangers. 
Absolutely. We will do it. It will happen <laughs> one day in the future. Somewhere. The pause was so long. I was like, oh, she's trying to figure out how to let me down easy, which was, I do not want to do that. That is 100%. After you heard about me yelling at people in movie theaters, which I haven't had to do in a long while. Um, and also, to amend my earlier rules, it's okay if you cheer at a cool part. I'm not mad about that. Or you lean over and say, hey, that person's from this comic book, or did you see the last movie? That stuff, like, it happens. Those things are happening. It's like when you're, like, talking to your doctor on your phone for some reason, or you're arguing with your significant other when I'm trying to see the emotional context of this scene. That's what uh, makes me throw popcorn at your head. <laughs> also, don't throw popcorn, though. People got to clean that shit up. Uh, throw, like, I mean, a stick yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> bring a stick nobody, with you too. Nobody has to. Nobody has to pick up sticks, you know. Well, this is easier and cleanlier, you know, right? Like <laughs> than, than the popcorn that made. <laughs> so cleanly, me throwing a stick. Oh my god! All right, let's get started. Bits and bobs. This week we're talking about a few games, and then I have some interesting conversation pieces. Now that we're like twenty minutes into this show, for sure. <laughs> um. Well, I'll, you know what? I might edit this out and do it as a pre-show type thing. At least a little bit yeah. of the conversation um I it was a <laughs> well i introduced us so i can't 100 be a pre-show so if you're like hey i want more context for this go listen to the pre-show um the, first up the walking dead role-playing game on the way from alien rpg and tales from the loop studio this comes from uh matt jarvis over at dice breaker uh breaking the news for me the walking dead you know robert kirkman tony moore there was a show on AMC for 15 years. I think it's still on for some reason. Uh, zombie apocalypse, you know, they kill things. And mostly it's a drama. It's kind of like a soap opera with zombies that just never ends. Um, I love the comic book. Uh, I've seen a little bit of the show. I liked what I saw. Um, I'm excited for this because we need more zombie RPGs that use the mechanics wisely. And uh, I love the Tales from the Loop games. I love the D6 success system. If you don't know, that's what they use. The Alien game was really good. The Blade Runner game was really good. And this will just be another cool flavor to have on the shelf. Are you two interested at all in playing some zombie RPGs? I think the show, actually, because I was talking to somebody who watches the show yesterday, um, my name, ex-roommate, um, <laughs> I think she said it just finished, like the actual Walking Dead TV show just finished. But there are a bunch of spin-offs. Yeah, there's like four spin-offs, right? Happening, yeah. And those are gonna maybe go on. But yeah. Um <laughs> in terms of zombies, I mean I I'm intrigued. I would probably like to try it. I don't know that it's really my thing. It might be fun though. Yeah, I don't know if I would have like an ongoing forever system type like game. I think it'd be better in like smaller chunks. Like, hey, we're going to do this one shot in this system. However, my caveat would be what they're adding to the zero year system, which has been used in Mutant Year Zero as well as Tales from the Loop. Um, you roll D6s according to your stats. That's how many D6s you roll. And every six you get is a success. So it's a really cool and simple system that jumps into Tales from the Loop and the older version more for teenagers than kids. Like, Tales from the Loop is kids on bikes things from the flood is like teenagers in the 90s um they also introduce some really cool mechanics for role playing like every kid or teenager has a favorite item that's like part of their character and a signature like theme song that they have so they've done really cool things in the past and because it's so simple you can really reskin it into whatever you need so i like the idea of the system alone so jumping into um 
uh, a Walking Dead version, you know, which is zombies, sounds cool, but they're adding in the base building aspect that you have in a lot of, like, zombie fiction, which is, like, how do you renovate this building, and that's a really cool addition to the D6 system that they have that the other games haven't done yet, so I'm excited to see it kind of expand so I can throw more things into my other games I use the system for. Um, I've run a Digimon game in this system now for almost a decade, so... Um, that kind of stuff is really exciting. I don't know if I could get an entire group to play a long-running Walking Dead game. I don't have that many friends that are into zombies. Uh, Sade, I know you love horror stuff, right? So you're down for some zombie nope. games. <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like zombies as like, an oh, idea. yeah, sure. Let's, yeah, I like the concept of like, yeah, sure, we'll fight zombies in like a D&D game. <laughs> or like a bigger <laughs> overarching plot. Like, sure, add zombies, add undead, no problem. But like a whole campaign based around it, it's just, I have friends. I think Lissa and I's mutual friend would love to play this game. She loves zombies. Like zombies is, like zombie movies are her favorite genre. So she would love this game. But as for me, I just like them in yeah small doses. <laughs> so maybe not for me, but I'm intrigued by the system, but not so much by. Yeah, and you're zombies. about to play in things for the flood, uh, things from the flood rather, uh, with me. So you'll you'll get a taste of that system in a more Stranger Things like package uh, rather than zombies. So you can see maybe you'll love the system so much that you'll be like, let's fucking play Walking Dead. Let's go get some zombies and fight. That has a 0.2 percent chance of happening. <laughs> I'm going to just tell you that now. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. If I ever say anything like that, you need to, like, make sure I'm not a doppelganger. You still might be. I'm not convinced that you're not, but uh, I agree that it would be out of character. Mm. Moving on, mm. we have Urban Weaponry. This comes from Jaden King, an expansion for 5E. It's uh, firearms, basically, with new firearm rules. I just bought it when uh, you sent the link. Um, you can support it over at their coffee link, which I'll put in the description below. Pay what you want. Um, the free supplement comes with new firearm rules, which I think are a little bit more interesting than the firearm rules that they've kind of added. You also have lots of people have their own firearm rules, so this is kind of a good option to have for 5th edition. Um, I think mm -hmm. the most notable would be Matt Mercer's uh, version of firearm rules. Um, there's also new weapon properties, so you can add some magical elements to them. Uh, two simple ranged weapons, seven martial ranged weapons. So it's a smaller thing, but it's produced by one dude, Jaden King. Um, go support, um, especially with our later on story of who knows how long we'll be able to support these things. So um, do it while you can. Uh, moving on, unless you two have something to add about urban weaponry. Not really. I like that there are more rules and more interpretations for um, for weapons. When I saw it on Twitter, I'm like, ooh, this is new and different. Because I knew a lot of people like Matt Mercer tackled firearm rules. So I was really interested in like somebody else like giving their spin on it. I have yet to read through it, but I was just automatically just very intrigued. Because I don't really use firearms in my games, really, but I'm intrigued by them nonetheless. 100%. Like, I use them a few times. I have a homebrew world that has some firearm elements in it. And basically, I use a different person's rules for each type of firearm. So, like, I have different mm. rule sets for, like, shotguns versus, like, uh, six shooters versus, like, some of the more magical, like, plasma weaponry from, like, Eberron and stuff like that. So I, I try to mix and match as much as possible. So I was just excited to see somebody else throwing in, you know, their hat into the ring. 
Um, I'm so excited to try that out because I've been wanting to play a gunslinger for the longest ooh. time, but people have told me that it's complicated. And it is. Or, yeah, so I've, mm. I've just, anything that'll make that easier, yeah, I it, am all for. Yeah, it depends on, like, what, you know, who's running what and which rules they use. But because they try to make them feel so different than, like, normal ranged weapons that are already in the rule set, you know, you say like a short bow or you know a crossbow um they end up being just a little a little complicated when it comes to comparison wise like i wouldn't say like you're gonna get one and be like oh i gotta do this math problem to attack it's not that crazy it's just like oh this is a little bit more involved than every other weapon in the game (laughs) um so that that's all to keep in mind Moving okay. on, um, we have the Corrupted. So, sticking on the whole zombie apocalypse type thing, this comes from uh, Navarre. Uh, I, I have the thing up on Twitter. I was trying to find like an actual link to it. There we go. Um, what website am I purchasing this from? I should be careful who I'm giving out my card to. Um, <laughs> Alright, I'll just move before I uh, get uh, start purchasing things on the show. This comes from Navar Jackson. Um, this is his own D20 system. Like, it's bespoke. It's its own thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's completely removed from, you know, D&D, but it's another zombie style. So come explore the world of the corrupted. Play as people trying to survive in a world wrecked by a cataclysmic event with a design focused on narrative roleplay and dynamic combat a game for one gm and two to four players the corrupted is designed to tell an intimate story of survivors trying to figure it all out systems like stress conflict and compromise as a condition all lean into gameplay that will drive compelling stories at your table the book includes a full gameplay rule set and a nice layout this is all reading from there i can't comment on it too much um but you have monsters you have a D20 system. It's $16. Um, I don't... It's not giving much information past, uh, hey, this has zombies. Like, they keep comparing it to The Last of Us, which is nice in, like, name service, but I don't really know what it plays like. Um, so I'm probably going to buy this and review it uh, rather than say, hey, go purchase this because that's 16 bucks is a lot if you don't know what you're getting yet. Uh, were you two able to look into this at all? Do you know more than what I'm throwing out here? I know a little bit, but only because Navarre is a friend of uh, mine and Lissa's because we were both on his show. He's the oh, host that's so of cool. the yeah, he's the host of the Secret Nerd podcast. Hell yeah! So I know I know a little bit only because I um, I helped copy edit. Um, I think the blurb on the back. I don't really know where the blurb ended up going, but it was like a synopsis of what the story is. Can you yeah um, like read it? Yeah, so I can I pitch people better. Yeah exclusive cave trolls exclusive wow. i know i'm super excited bam 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 um yeah so he just like messaged me at like 2 a.m one day <laughs> like 1 a.m i was just like hey can you look at something and i wasn't doing anything and i looked at it so yeah it's very zombie apocalypse vibes very um biochemical like some weird disease that is a mystery i think Hell yeah. in terms of the game is responsible for turning people into zombies. And I believe part of the um, plot is, you know, uncovering that and uncovering what made people turn into zombies, as far as I understand. So I thought that it has like a cool little like mystery element to it. 
Oh, that's super exciting. And you know, like, I'm always a sucker where they're like, well, hey, we use a similar system, but we did our own system. This yeah. isn't just a 5e supplement. I don't know why. I can, I understand why people prefer those because they can just roll it into their their D&D system. But I love a new game. So that's what had me excited when I got the link. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, okay, they're doing their own thing. I'm excited. Plus, I love The Last of Us. That's one of my favorite things of all time. So invoking mm-hmm. that, even if it's in lip service alone, I'm like, well, I'm probably going to check this out. Yeah, um, it, it did its job. It got you intrigued. Exactly. Plus, friend of a friend, that's perfect for me because then I can go, okay, like, you don't like crappy people. So I'm not like, oh, this system's going to be potentially crappy. Um, or money grubbing, which is sometimes I see these things and I'm like, no, it's I definitely. It's definitely a passion project for sure. I can speak to that. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So I don't have to wait till 2023 to get the zombie game going, guys. We can jump in right now with the corrupted. Yay! Um, instead of having to walk for the Walking Dead out there, and we can guilt Charday into it because she knows the creator, so she'll feel bad if she said, "Well, I didn't want to play your game." Oh yeah, let's uh, drag her in uh, just for that reason. Oh, I'm also, excited. Navarre is amazing, so um, he Navarre can do no wrong. Hell yeah! yeah. I I. I'm really excited that you let me read it without like uh, telling me up front so I could be mm-hmm. like, I don't know about this game. So people know that you're not a full sh- uh, shill. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> they know that they can come here for the hard hitting journalism. We're going to be objective about it. Um, I mm-hmm. am purchasing the game now, but, <laughs> 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 but before so really we're all talk. <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm excited for them. I don't know. Oh, that's why I couldn't tell where I was purchasing it from. It's from their itch.io uh, uh, slug. Oh, I thought it was, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm like, I don't see coffee. I don't see paper. Like, where am I at to give my uh, my credit card information? What year is it? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's exciting. Um, go check out The Corrupted. Uh, I'll put the link in there below. Moving on. From Navarre, we have some fun little news about D&D and miniatures. If you're excited about Honor Among Thieves, um, they're releasing an official mini pack that comes with some monsters from the movie. Um, Nothing new or crazy, just designs coming directly from the movie. So you have a Displacer Beast, a Gelatinous Cube, an Owl Bear, and of course a Mimic. Um, they look good. Um, I would say they're a little bit more like resin based than what the normal mini figs are. Um, they have a little bit better of a color to them, a little bit of a, uh, more generic sculpt. So it's like, you could buy this. You don't have to paint it. You don't have to do a lot of work to it to make it look fancy. Um, they definitely put a little bit more work into it. So you can check those out. I don't have a pricing for the pack, but most of the WizKids, uh, um, miniature packs are affordable. They're usually like 20 or so dollars. Uh, we don't play with miniatures <laughs> like at any of our tables, so I can't say too much about it. I've tried. I've, <laughs> I've, I've bought battle maps. I've, I've bought miniatures. I've painted miniatures. It just is never what anyone is looking for at our table. Uh, is this going to get you two to buy some miniatures? I have some minis. I don't know that that's going to specifically make me get more. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't use minis and I haven't painted the ones that I already have, so it's kind of I don't know if it's a a, a sound investment. Um so to speak, because right. I haven't done anything with the previous ones I own. <laughs> uh, if and or when I do finally start painting them, um I may be inspired to get more 
Yeah, but, but it's just so will... time consuming. You don't have the time yeah. to do miniatures, man. Like <laughs> where in between all of your finished rock shows and your 12 freelance gigs and doing this stuff, are you going to start, you know, painting them? Exactly. I just look at pretty pictures of other people painting minis um, on our Instagram because we have followers who paint minis. And so shout out to those people. <laughs> I paint tons of minis. I love it. I just never use them for anything other than sitting on the shelf. Um, I I used to do um, like the Warhammer. It was more War Machine, which is another game that's tangential. Mm. But uh, I, I love all of those. There's just something cool about that scale. Plus, putting. have you ever used static grass to add like an extra flair to yours? So you throw it down a looks like it's actual grass um no I've, yeah i've seen those yeah okay. they're really cool and then you can make like water and different effects exactly. and, sand, and so i'm like cool. how how do you do that magic is what it is it is straight up magic and i i think mine looks really good and then i see people who are actually talented do it and i'm like oh okay that's <laughs> true <laughs> uh mine definitely looks like a figure um but yeah so check those out if you're interested our final part of bits and bobs I'm super excited for it. That's why I say this for the last. If you like Merkborg or Merkberry, as I've been told it's pronounced, even though the creators say, yeah, I'll just say Merkborg, it works. This one is called Psy underscore Borg. And if you like the, the Merkborg system, the artwork, it's all here, but with the cyberpunk bent. So new cyberpunk world, a little bit more gritty, a little bit more violent, which is hard to do because cyberpunk is already all of those things. Like if you like Mike Pondsmith's setting, this is a similar thing, but it's from the creators of Merkborg. Um, same artist, same creator. Uh, you can go and get ready to purchase it already on their website. Uh, there's not much more I can say other than it's fucking awesome and I'm super fucking excited about it. Um, it's cyberpunk, but in that system. So do you two have anything to add? Because it's just going to be me going, hey, go buy this, please. It's <laughs> so cool and so good looking. Well, my um, my Discord is being lame, and every time I open up Chrome, uh, Discord crashes, so I can't see anything currently, oh, no! <laughs> but, it, but it sounds amazing. I'm not, like, a big cyberpunk person. Like, I like the aesthetic a lot of it, but, like, again, I'm a, I'm a fantasy bitch like, <laughs> to my core, and that's usually what I play, and I will own up to that. Most other things make me uncomfortable. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't really understand why. It just It is what it is. But I can appreciate the aesthetic, and I've stolen some, like, cyberpunk aesthetics for my current, like, homebrew campaign, and I've oh, had yeah. a lot of fun with that. So any anything that kind of um, expands on the cyberpunk genre is always exciting to hear about, because I know a lot of people really, really love it. I, I love the world, and that's something, like, we've talked about some of my critiques to the system of Cyberpunk Red, but Mike Pondsmith's writing the world that he's created, the expansions that Cyberpunk... Um, like 2027 has added to it. So when you get into like CD Projekt Red and what they've done with the system or the, the animated series, I love that entire world. That being said, I love other people's takes on it too. And I've gushed and gushed about Merkborg so much on this show. I'm so excited to play that system in you know like uh a more cyberpunk uh setting plus the artwork i am just I so about excited to say, yeah the artwork and the layout design is just chef's kiss uh, so as someone who's already looked at this book every single page is a different font and different color which i know what you're thinking as a design person that sounds terrible it fits the cyberpunk aesthetic no, so but well they, they have a yeah it's so good it's so well done like they know exactly what they're doing that even though it's so chaotic it's the point of it is to be chaotic chaos and me as a graphic designer just goes oh, 
I would I would probably play any of their games just for the sake of you know being able to look at the artwork, and right? Try it out and also um, support the Nordics. Exactly, and I think it's uh they're they're Swedish. They're a Swedish uh, um, studio. For Krona, it's four hundred and forty eight. If you want to buy it with the native uh, currency, if you want to convert that to U.S. dollars, I think it's forty two dollars. If my math is correct, I suppose I could just Google it. Let me Google it. Yes. Okay. $41.97. So, um, pretty affordable by comparison to some books. Um, it's a big investment. I would say if you don't like that system, like if you didn't like Merc Borg, if you're like, Oh, this is too hardcore or a little too old school or like my characters keep mm. dying, stuff like that. Don't buy this game because cyberpunk already has that thing where like your characters die quite often. Like if you play like cyberpunk red or something, and Merkborg already is like, hey, your characters are probably going to die here. Uh, so if you combine those two things, I don't think this is going to be a forgiving system. And I wouldn't say it would be perfect for a long-term campaign. Um, but for dungeon crawling and just jumping in for that like that gritty dice rolling type gameplay, I highly recommend it. And you can go buy this right now. So go do that. Yes. Go do it. Do it, you cowards. Uh, they haven't said if the diegetic card game that was introduced in McBorg is compatible with this or if they're going to make a cyberpunk version of it. And I just want to say out there right now, there are already some really good cyberpunk games. Like if you do Android Netrunner, it's really great. Um, but if you want to create one, I will buy one. Okay. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, if you're looking for more sales, I am into it. Um, moving on from Bits and Bobs, we're going to go into our Village Crier um segment where we talk about the big news of the day the shit that you need to know about and some of that's coming from the rumor mill a little bit the rumor was about a week ago a youtuber said that they had uncovered some internal information about one D&D possibly killing off third party homebrew content and that's something that we cover the majority of our show being right is you know fifth edition supplements and open source and the open game license um and it's a big part of the community it's a big part of being a DD fan um is all these open game licenses it's something that i've talked about why i go into certain games like cortex because they let people make things and make money off of them and that's something that wizards and before them tsr as much as there's been issues they've been good about that um with them potentially doing away with that um as much as this is a rumor and we have some clarification coming after this initial discussion um it's scary and i think it's partly scary because it doesn't sound that far-fetched right like we talked about on discord a little bit yesterday with their moves happening right now they just sold off one yeah. of uh their studios that are making the DD show and they make a very successful show for showtime yellow jackets they're selling that studio just because of how much money they need to make and the news that magic the gathering did very poorly the last few years with all of their tie-ins and they've just been putting out too much content I could see them going, hey, we need to double down on D&D being a moneymaker, which it totally can be, but that would mean potentially sharing less. Maybe not completely. Maybe you can still license, but maybe it costs money. Maybe what you can produce is more limited. Maybe you can use the system, but not some of the terms. You know, there's a lot of other variations that they would do. Um, so what do you two have to say about this? Should I jump into the clarification first? Should I let us talk? What are you thinking? 
I think we should hear them out first. But go ahead and say yeah. like what the clarification is, and then we can kind of discuss the whole situation as a whole. Sure. I think that might be fair fair for them to so like this... let them get their word out first. Yeah. So this came from <laughs> Christian Hoffer there. over at comicbook.com. So I'm going to read a little bit of the story and then get into the clarification. So um, there was an original news story where the YouTuber Indestructo Boy claimed that Wizards of the Coast would not create a new system reference document for one D and D. The code name for the upcoming new edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so if you don't know that um they've always done what we call an open game license which allowed people to make things from the generic system of dungeons and dragons make supplements make uh additions and they've allowed people to make money off that license which is even more important because you can always kind of make your own things if not legally they're not coming after you but to sell those things is a different thing entirely and they've always been ahead of the game when it came to hey we, we're going to make tons of money off official D&D, but you can make your own shit for our game and sell it. Um, and the rumor is that they are not going to be doing that. They're going to be changing the open game license or doing away with it, um, according to this YouTuber and these documents that they found internally, in quotations, allegedly. Um, their uh, clarification came out because a bunch of different news outlets reached out to them, including comicbook.com. Wizards of the Coast has responded to the rumors of changes to the open game license and system reference document. And what they've said, uh, let me get the exact quote up here, is that it's going to be backwards compatible and there are going to be changes. So I'm trying to find the quote. I got to scroll down. Um, my chrome uh, uh crash so i apologize we will continue to support the thousands of creators making third-party DD content with the release of one D in 2024 while it is certain our open game license will continue to evolve just as it has since its inception we're too early in the development of one DD to give more specifics on the ogl or system reference document at this time so what they're saying is hey it's going to change but we're still going to put one out um which i think is much more realistic um because I, this could yeah. th it would 100% crumble this like cottage industry that has surrounded D&D &D, right with all these third party studios making things for it you have their biggest competitor Paizo putting out things with the 5th edition rules so i could see them going hey we could potentially do it or just change it a little bit um i think this means they probably will make it a purchasable license for larger scale games i think it means that there's going to be a shift in some sort to make sure they make more money or the most money at least off Dungeons and Dragons yes. or continue to. Right. Agreed. Um, I think this means we'll still be able yeah. to make things as a third party, but I don't know how or why. Um, for context, other studios in the past have done things like this and like, mm -hmm. like Cortex, like they recently were like, Hey, you can put out stuff. Um, you can put things out and sell it. We'd prefer if you did that, you use the official license and, and cite it and stuff like that. Other studios have said, Hey, you can use our, our license, put out whatever you want and sell it, but you have to sell it on our store. So mm, I could yeah. see some combination of that with them purchasing D and D beyond and saying like, Hey, listen, you're allowed to make whatever you want, but you got to sell it here. So we get a portion of it or, you can sell it wherever you want, but it's got to be trackable. You got to apply for it because we're getting a cut. And I think that that's more realistic with subscription fees and the way that the economy has moved forward. I think that's closer to what we're going to see. But I've rambled enough. What do you two think? Um, I I definitely agree with the things that you've said. I think that they are, I think they're trying to figure it out themselves right mm -hmm. now. But I think that they are considering and looking at the past. 10-ish years that D&D &D has been so popular 
that they need to be able to get more money out of it you know right. get every like w- hopefully without like to the deficit of you know indie ttrpg makers and designers hopefully they're not gonna take away because that's the thing that's the beauty of it is that there's this whole industry that relies on you know the products that they put out and then you know the indie ttrpg industry and just the ttrpg industry like everybody kind of bounces off of D D in a way and pathfinder and all these other products that are in the industry but D is really big so hopefully they're not they're not just looking at D and thinking, oh well, how can we benefit? Even <laughs> though somebody else can, like, you know, who cares what happens to them? Who cares about all these people who work in the industry and are trying to make it work and making all this content and stuff that people love? I'm hoping they don't, you know, just step on that and be like, look, we are the number one thing. You should listen to us and. One hundred percent. It's it's already it's already very expensive in a way, and if you're gonna make people in order to make content for it, you have to have a subscription model or something like that. It's it's just gross in my opinion. Yeah, I think you essentially create your own worst enemy if you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you create this idea of like, well, we can't use the D20 system. We can't we can't do that. Well, then we're just all going to make our own games. Now, I don't think that that would lead to success for those studios, but I think it would lead to less success for D&D because like you said, it's expensive. I know a lot of players that don't fuck with homebrew stuff unless it's on D&D Beyond. They don't play other games. They only play D&D and they only play what D&D really officially releases. And it's expensive for them and they don't buy every book because they don't like that's that's their, you know, TTRPG table. That's what they do. They go and buy the D&D books. So once a year someone will buy the newest expansion or whatever new rule set and that's what they use. And if you take away all of these like indie games out of it, so um they're not going to be getting more sales from those people right that's not going to produce a new revenue stream for them so again like i could see them going hey you can sell whatever you want but you got to sell it on our store so they get a cut almost like steam right um yeah i could see that being the best possible outcome of them changing this license uh i do fear and that's just me being pessimistic i do fear that they don't go um the route of no nothing we're just changing so it can fit like all this new stuff that's coming out and stuff don't worry it's all the same if it was gonna stay all the same they probably would have said it's gonna stay all the same yeah they would have they would have said it they would have like they would have spun this so quickly and be like whoa whoa, 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 hold on no 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 don't get like don't get it twisted (laughs) here here's what we're gonna do but it sounds like they're just leaving the door open for them to have a more capitalistic model, which they're entitled to. They're a business. It's their license. Is a business. Yeah. It's their license. They can do what they want. However, like you guys were saying, like it is the backbone of D&D is like it's the players, right? You have to gauge public opinion. You have to gauge what the players want. And I think part of what why 5th edition is so successful and there are multiple parts. I think like uh, actual plays taking off and using the fifth edition system play a huge part in it. I think that um, like the amount of content that they've been releasing, how accessible fifth edition is design wise compared to other editions of D and D it's easier quote unquote to play and get into as a newer player. 
but also it's all of the the content that's on drive through rpg and dm's guild that are using the fifth edition system and maybe they see a homebrew thing maybe somebody who's never played D or who wants to but just hasn't been enticed by any of their official products they see something on one of these homebrew host sites or patreon.com slash can't be killed creations or patreon.com slash can't be killed creations like oh (laughs) this looks interesting and it's fifth edition compatible so i guess maybe i could like look into what fifth edition is all about because i really want to play like this adventure i really want to look at these items i really want to see this lore i want to you know do a b and c so if they do I, I think it'd be a huge mistake, and I don't think they're going to because it would be a bad mid- business move to just say nobody can use this new license for one D&D. That would be the stupidest move they could ever do. But the more likely scenario is they'll make people pay for it. I don't know if it would be by a subscription service or just a one-time payment or like you're contractually obligated to give Wizards of the Coast a cut of whatever you make because like it's their system. I don't know. There, there are a lot of ways that they can go about it and if they go about it with money in mind and not putting players at the forefront and player opinion at the forefront it could tank one D and people will just keep playing fifth edition because this whole conversation that we're having isn't about fifth edition the fifth edition open game license is staying the same no matter what right as far as we know but for one D, that's the one people the one the system that they're coming out with in the next couple of years that's what people have their eyes on. That's the quote-unquote future of D&D. So and, if they make it too restrictive, people are just going to stick to 5th edition, I think. I think there's a big possibility. I think the creators of these supplements and stuff will stick to 5th edition. And you're going to see the more, like, what happened back in the day with 3.5, which is mm-hmm. people making Pathfinder, right? That's how Paizo was created. Um, yeah. I, I think you could see some, something potentially like that. However, what I think is more likely to happen, like I said, they're they're beyond, you know, creators tab. You know, you click on it, and this is all the homebrew stuff that people are selling with the license. It's got to go through there. And people are mad about it at first, especially people who create games. And eventually, because, like I said, there's so much of the audience that we don't, um, you know, talk to or don't really see yeah. that just buy the official stuff. They don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, I just buy the thing mm-hmm. on there, and eventually, our outrage right now dies down. Isn't loud enough. Yeah. No, no one gives a shit, and that just becomes what is the reality of it, right? Is you have to go there to buy D and D stuff. Um, I could see that happening because I've seen it happen in a million other industries, right? Uh, yeah. you know, especially like video games are probably the best, you know, uh, parody mm. that you can look at and see, okay, this has happened before. You can't just make your own PS2 discs, you know, you, you gotta go to the PSN and, uh, that's probably what we're going to see in the future. Eventually. I don't know if it's going to start there. Um, and I think there's a potential too. I think the reason why it's coming out like this, you know, you see a lot of these things happen where we're going to make some sort of a statement. It's because they're not sure. Like you said, right. They're developing, they're still figuring it out. There's a chance that this doesn't matter. And they do do something closer to the fifth edition license because maybe the outrage will be too big, but I think being uh, a big multinational conglomerate is going, how do we make more money? And so somebody Mm -hmm. that's in charge of Hasbro, who is in charge of wizards, who is in charge of D and D went, Hey, what if we said you can't buy our shit from somebody else? Um, mm-hmm. And so they're going to attempt to figure that out. And if they can do that with the the, uh, the least amount of outrage possible, they're going to test the waters. So we will see. Um, there's no way for us to know, but that's at least our conjecture on it, right? I hope that I am super duper wrong. 
and I hope that yeah. it's it evolves and it's just basically the same thing. You can still make your own stuff, and maybe what they add to it is, hey, you can still make your own stuff and you can still sell it, but you can really do it on D and D Beyond. It's more of an option, optional thing, right? Um, yeah. I don't know how where your faith levels are in that. I think you're two, you two are uh, lining up with us a little bit more. So I mean, I'm anytime capitalism is involved, my faith in humanity goes way down. Sure. <laughs> like sure. I, I want to think that you know D and D has always been pretty open to player criticism, and you know, ask. I mean, they're doing a huge open beta test right now for one D and D. Like they, at least some people who work for D and D. Not maybe the higher up business guys, but some people at D and D do care about what players think and want to make the best product for them. And I hope the people who have that outlook are watching and are listening to people who are talking about this and listening to their concerns. And will hopefully, if a middle ground needs to be had, find that middle ground. And then if it's the worst case scenario and they need to charge people to use their system to publish things in their system who knows that might be their downfall and there might be uh, a really amazing indie game that comes out of it that takes off and surpasses D&D <laughs> because they're just like hey we were going to use your system to do this but now we're going to build our own system and it turns out to be the best system ever made like there's always that possibility too right and, and we're going to get into the next story here in a second but I think this all lines up with that's a possibility and there's also there's room right there's room for everybody to exist mm -hmm. you know you have places like chaosium or paizo who have been doing it for a very long time now um so like there's there's more there's more space than there ever has been in the community for other games but right now it's hard to pretend like D, &D isn't the biggest guy on the block right we can't mm -hmm. pretend like oh if they change something it's not going to affect everybody else it 100% will it, it already does um so it's good to keep your eye on um but like i said there's not much more we can say without it being just pure conjecture so we'll move on for now um we have our hopes and dreams i'd love to hear from the audience though whether you're on our patreon or if you want to email us can't be killed creations at gmail.com we're still on twitter uh, a little bit uh cave tools yeah, sure. at cave tools pod uh we're more on hive it seems at the moment uh depending <laughs> on where where the the you know the die falls for twitter uh what's our hive handle i mean the slovenly trolls has a hive handle i do not know if cave trolls has one we, we should make one because we should make one I, i'm yeah, not we gonna don't tell have you a hive yet yeah we'll, we'll make yeah. one i'm not, i'm on there i'm not gonna tell you mine yet because i have 12 followers i'm interested if they're just interested in me or the host of cave trolls we'll see um <laughs> <laughs> like me for me uh or just because no i'm not gonna see third eye blonde let's continue on to our last story um, this is our Eye of the Beholder segment. This is where we get into something that lets us really chat back and forth and have opinions on. Um, hence the name. Also, if you don't know, it's a monster from D&D, you fucking nerd. Like, you should know that. Uh, <laughs> wow, rude. <laughs> so, this comes from uh, Charlie Hall over at Polygon. Wrote a really good article. Go read it. I'm not going to read it verbatim the whole way, but it's a really good talking point. So, tabletop creators are trapped in a boom and bust crowdfunding cycle. We call it the Kickstarter crack, and that's how we stay up. Um, this is a great article. Read it in its entirety. But the major idea is that you have these 
you know, third-party publishing games, whether it's stuff for 5th edition or they're making their own games. Um, in the article, they specifically uh, bring up Word, Wormwood Gaming's game. Um, mm. And the idea is they can't make it on their own. They're not just going to end up on bookshelves. It's not going to be enough. So they do a Kickstarter campaign. Make sure you reach your niche. You get everything funded. You're able to make your game. But that's not enough to stay float. It's meant to be kickstarting, right? Like, that's what Kickstarter was. It'll get your business up and yeah. running. But that's not how you survive in the industry. Mm-hmm. You have to then do another Kickstarter and another Kickstarter. And if you don't, you crumble. You fall apart. And they're kind of trapped. Like, you did one Kickstarter. It did not generate enough revenue to... Like, it generated some. It paid for the game, usually. Like, if you do your Kickstarter properly. Um, it paid for everyone's labor involved. And you made some money. But you didn't make enough to just do it again without doing another Kickstarter or another crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. And so they're trapped. Um, so I'm going to read directly from the article for a paragraph. Uh, Wormwood's latest Kickstarter campaign for a modular standing desk. If you don't know, Wormwood makes physical things for D&D, uh, like, you know, really cool gaming tables, ended in disaster in October. The project needed $3 million from backers to become fully funded, but its terms troubled some consumers. The initial buy-in was set at 3000 nearly twice the cost oh, of the lowest whoa. price desk in the line, right? The goal was to stabilize whoa. the company's production pipeline by limiting demand man to well-heeled consumers only a population that had shown up in droves for its past products with a set number of deaths to produce it could easily keep its 200 us based workers employed while incentivizing kickstarter backers to upgrade their purchase at some point down the line um it didn't go very well uh they fell about eight hundred thousand dollars short of its goal now this is an extreme example right this is for a niche product that's super expensive and costly that not every single mm-hmm. D player or game base has right but we mm-hmm. just saw a couple of, I'm not going to name names. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But we just saw a couple of games that we were really excited for not reach their Kickstarter goal, right? That's something mm-hmm. we've talked about offline. And they're trapped in this exact same cycle, right? They have now have employees. A lot of them have been incorporated for the first time. They finally have these supplements. Even if you're a solo creator, right? You made your game. It's really cool. You put it out. And you made some money off of it. Did you make enough money to pay your bills? Probably not in the long run. So you got to put out another product. But people don't know your product well enough. You're not D&D. So you got to kickstart it again and go, okay, I'm from the other Kickstarter. You saw this thing. And if I don't do another Kickstarter, I'm going to fall apart. So they're trapped. They're they're stuck in the Mm -hmm. crowdfunding cycle. Um, How do you two feel about this? Char, what's your take on this? Oh, man. I mean, where to start? They're... I think the bottom line is that it just full on sucks that a lot of indie creators have to rely on crowdfunding. I think there should be more avenues for small businesses in the TTRPG community, um, freelance people in the TTRPG community, what have you, to get like investments from not their fans. Like, it's great for, like, specific products, but like you said, and like this article said, it just keeps them in this endless cycle of having to rely on fans to fund things, which is great for the short term, but not so great for the long term and keeping yourself and if you have employees employed. So I think it's kind of a commentary on how... I mean, I don't know. I've never tried to start a small business. I've never tried to start something in the TTRPG Char, community. you own a small business right now. Yeah, but listen, I never. <laughs> I don't do the business part. I just, I just show up. That's different. <laughs> listen, that's different. I just show up. 
I mean more so like create <laughs> products like um on a regular basis that would need to like employ a shit ton of people. Sure, right? So, Even if it's not a shit ton of people, employing people in general, right? Like we're lucky yeah. that we all at least do some other stuff offline this that so because like just you know for transparency we don't make a lot of money we make enough money to keep doing this but it doesn't like yeah. pay for our rent right like it doesn't no we all have other jobs exactly we, so we we literally to... none of us get money from this right so no, we, we put it we put it back into what we're creating and i feel like a lot of creators in this space do that so i'm just wondering if it's just a commentary on the TTRPG community in general and how there just aren't a lot of, I don't know, publishers out there or a lot of investors out there outside that can actually like fund these projects. Cause I think when I think of like small businesses and like getting something off the ground, I think of somebody like pitching something to venture capitalists <laughs> or something. <laughs> and like that, it, I mean, it sucks. It's part of the capitalism like cycle, but like that's how a lot of people get off the ground. And I'm wondering if, maybe investors in the more traditional sense just aren't interested in tabletop games so maybe that's why people have to keep investing i'm not i don't know i'm not I mean, a business person so, I mean, so like i don't know go ahead liza i mean i think like if you compare the tabletop role-playing game community to something like video games for example like mm. video games are doing great now there's um people pitch to investors to get funding for video games they put out video games you know like there's a lot of effort group being put into video games or has been the past number of years i don't know if it still mm -hmm. is um and i don't know that like traditional kind of like tabletop role-playing games or board games i don't know how well board games are doing like i because it's for whatever reason technology and you know digital things are what are interesting people and they're sort of going everything's geared towards tech sort of for this uh i guess evolution in our history but mm -hmm. anyway so like because we've we've already had board games for a while and we've had tabletop role-playing games as well for a little bit mm -hmm. so i don't know that there's like there's not enough people i mean dnd is in a little bit of a boom i would say but i don't a know lot if of it. That, yeah yeah so i don't know if that's enough to actually get people like hardcore investors to be mm -hmm. like okay we want to invest into this it might be coming you know we we don't know but the fact that they're not coming out and saying you know we are looking to publish ttrpgs and if they are so it's, it's more like you have to build it yourself mm -hmm. and you have to hustle yourself and i think that's what ttrpgs is like you have to do your own hustling in order to make it in the industry and it's it's hard and finding people mm -hmm. to fund something like that who have the money who have the capability who have the connections and knowledge of the industry like it's it's difficult and if it's not something that people are into 
necessarily or looking to invest in, then I, I don't know what to say. Like, well, yeah. so to speak on it a little bit, because I, I, I get like, like we said, like I am the business guy, right? Yeah, you're the business um, guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because so, we're, we literally have no idea what we're talking about. No, no, you're, it's all good though. <laughs> and you're not, you're not too far off. But the problem is, so when you say like, oh, capital investors, right? When you think like, you think Silicon Valley, you see that stuff on TV, right? Well, the problem yeah. is, is even if you wanted to pitch those, they, they don't exist in the same way that you see on TV, right? I don't just know a guy mm -hmm. that I can pitch this board game to, right? There's not mm -hmm. this avenue for any game to be published. And you, so you mentioned board games and TTRPGs. Are they doing well because of tech? They're doing better than they ever have been, ever, period. That's just okay. fact. However, that also means there's a lot of competition. That also means mm -hmm. you, you don't have a perfect avenue to do it. You have the best one ever right now with things like Kickstarter. You have Twitter or had Twitter as it crumbles around us um, to reach an audience. But you're competing with a lot of other people. But there aren't just a com there aren't just companies that just take submissions, right? I can't go, hey, I wrote up this RPG. Do you want to publish it for me? Most companies that publish RPGs that, that do have staff or people to create this game for you do it themselves they don't have a submission yeah. department right and it's all uh, exactly it's all in-house so like you said let's say you have to struggle you got to do the hustle of it and that is that like it kind of like you said it's kind of the reality of what ttrpgs have become board games the same way they're really comparable now coming i i work in the comic books industry that's that's what i do for my main job and that has gone through a similar thing right you used to be able to pitch almost any company you know hey make this comic book uh I'll, I'll write it you find me an artist type thing and over the years that's gotten harder and harder to do because these these comic book companies have talent they're such a small industry mm -hmm. that make the big names they don't you don't need to beg for like talent they'll go and find you so they don't even take submissions for the most part there's a few that still do i work with like image and a couple other comics publishers that i can cold call basically i can go hey i can do this or i have a person like you said like we have connections right you can go hey mm -hmm. i have this idea let's work on this comic book but that's really hard to do and really hard to cultivate and almost impossible when it comes to the ttrpg space you got to get noticed mm -hmm. you got to get on someone's actual play you got to have somebody mm -hmm. who you've already worked with who's already published 14 games right um to have any sort of longevity let alone have an audience that will buy your product um yeah. in the first place so it's it's almost impossible and then what happened with comic books industry was an avenue for people to buy things right originally comic books were available at every single newsstand every single drugstore you had the little spinner rack and you could buy your archies your spider-mans and eventually that wasn't the case right like they sell comic books at walmart but people aren't really buying comic books at walmart you don't go buy mm -hmm. spider-man there you buy it online or you buy it at a comic book store um hobbies are the same way right you can buy some board games you can buy some ttrpg stuff at a shop like walmart but really you're gonna go to said store and buy it and those people at those hobby stores buy their books from one place right like one or two distributors and they usually have deals with place like places like hasbro or chaosium that like they know hey this is who we buy our ttrpgs for you don't buy a lot of indie rpgs at the comic book store at the video game store at the hobby store that's just not how would you even hear about that? To get a distributor mm -hmm. license like what I have, it costs a lot of money. It's a lot of effort. I was opening up a lounge that sold board games and TTRPG stuff, and uh, there was like two sellers. <laughs> like uh, We live in Michigan, right? So when it comes to distributors, but there was like two places that I could get a bulk order from. 
anything else i would have to hunt down myself and so you have to depend wow. there's no way to get started and to get your product into all these other stores there's no avenue for it it's literally impossible so the only way to make any money off of it in a actual earning way we're like you're not gonna make like 10 bucks here you're gonna make thousands of dollars enough to pay a team and to make more products is mm -hmm. kickstarter there's no way out of the cycle to break it because like you said you can't pitch your game to wizards you can't go to chaosium and go hey do you want to publish our new book they do their own shit they hire their own people mm -hmm. to make their own books there's no investment capital for most businesses right you can go to your bank and get a loan to start a business sure. But if you went to a bank to get a loan for your TTRPG, number one, they would say no. I've tried. Um, and <laughs> if they did say yes, their next question would be, okay, wh what's your market? How are you going to get this to these people? There's mm -hmm. no way. Where do you put it? You put it on DMs Guild, right? I guess. <laughs> like mm -hmm. That's the one place. You go to your local store and beg them to do it. You call Penguin Random House, who distributes novels and uh, comic books, and go, hey, do you want to distribute our books like they did back in the 70s? Like with like TSR and shit? They're mm -hmm. not going to take that call. There's there's no way out to start a business to do this unless you were already as big as D&D. &D. And you, that, mm. you can't skip the line. There's no way to, to reach that level. So I, I don't see a reality from the business end of being able to break this mold. Like you said, there's... The, there's no investment capital guy that's going around going, I'm looking for new names and TTRPGs, you know? Like there's, <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. It's not like Silicon Valley where they're like, oh, what's your app, right? There's no one going, hey, what's your what's your D&D? Yeah. &D? What's your D&D? &D? What's your D&D? &D? What's your dice system, man? Let's go. Let's talk. Let's rap. I'll hey, give you this you much money. Dice? Exactly. Here's how, this much runway to make your game. That just doesn't exist. Yeah. And we can make it, it, right? You have DM skilled, but you can't make it to where you're successful on that level. Yeah, it sounds like the whole system has to change. In order for anyone to break the cycle of Kickstarters or GoFundMes or whatever platform that people use now to fund their projects, you it sounds like the whole system needs to change. <laughs> like It sounds like big companies need to open submissions. It sounds like there needs to be somebody going around saying hey what you, what you making can, <laughs> right. I, can i give you some money or you know it, something somebody needs to like start the start the avalanche really to kind of crumble what's already there to the ground so they can build it back up and build up smaller creators because it's a monopoly is but what's their incentive what to do that what's because like i i don't know about you like we live in the midwest but i see new hobby stores and comic book stores open and close on the weekly mm -hmm. right like there's not enough people that go and do those things even as DD has grown it's grown so heavily online right you have places like dm skilled where people can make money but like it's few and far between mm -hmm. you're not making a big living through that so what's the incentive in capitalism for someone to say here's the DD store you know here's the ttrpg mm -hmm. store um we do distribution for those games let's get yours printed if it, there's already such a barrier to entry to trying to get something like that into a store, what's the incentive for any of these companies to change what they're doing? The big companies, there isn't really one. And um, for the, the small companies, if even if they wanted to do it, how do we get those people into that store? That's been a problem since the seventies, right? Is do we put them in just, bookstores? Do we put them at Walmart? How do we get them? Not into even, big box not stores? even that too. But I mean, we're in the new millennium. We're in the twenty first century. Like brick and mortar stores for most small businesses right now, especially post Panini, they're like, dead. 
businesses are businesses are struggling full stop so opening any type of business in any type of industry right now would be just the steepest uphill climb not to mention like a you know brick and mortar ttrpg store you know it would have to have like something else going on it would have to have like i mean i don't know it would have to have something else like a coffee shop and a ttrpg right, store i don't right. know <laughs> but and then so like so say we take out brick and mortar all the way out of the equation right that's an impossibility just based on the economy of any business let alone ttrpgs and hobby stores right so take that out you want to get them on amazon or something it, they run into the same issue that comic books have. Comic books are a losing endeavor if you don't just like the art form. It's just objective. Mm-hmm. They're too costly to make for too little return. For me and my coworkers, when we make comic books, mostly it's because we love comic books, right? I don't make a great living writing comic books. My artists make a shitty living by comparison to any other thing that they could be creating art for by making comic books. Mm-hmm. Just like the pure amount of of frustration love and just you know actual like sweating working hours to create it for what they get returned back right it's the same thing for for ttrpgs when you think about like testing and creative and uh artwork and then printing and the amount of people that you really need involved to make a good rpg in a fast enough time um, not, you know, just leaving c- competition on the floor, right? They're a very expensive product to make. It seems inexpensive, right? Because it's just ideas. It's just a game. But they're really expensive in the long run to make a product that's going to compete with something like D&D. And most people would say, well, why do you have to compete with D&D? Because you have to. They're the Because you have to. Yeah. They're the behemoth. Because no right? you're, in the same in- you're in the same industry, so you have to p- compete with everyone in the industry. Exactly. D&D happens to be big. And so, it's just so expensive why. to do it. So when you look at these Kickstarters, like, oh, well, they're asking for too much money. They're trying to make a smaller product. I don't know about you, but I, a lot of people that I know that buy books, they won't buy anything that's in between one page and a hundred. Like, if it's a one-pager, they'll buy it. If it's, you know, a big book, they'll buy it. But anything in between, they're like, I don't know. I'm going to spend 20 bucks on 15 pages. This seems weird. Um, mm. And, like, that's a big issue that I try to address on this show by us talking about all these games. But there's so many people that are like, ah, just, I don't know. It seems weird. It's not D&D. Uh, it's a lot to read, but not enough to read. Or I feel like it's worth the book. Like, that's a problem. So you're already competing mm. with all of these. And it costs so much money to do that you have to like you said you gotta kickstart it you gotta find your exact niche thing that's it's the exact same thing that happened with comic books there's so many creators i know that are trapped they they kickstart an issue every month because they have to or every six Mm -hmm. months when they can afford to get the kickstarter up and running because it's the only way for them to get the comic book out and it's the same thing for these ttrpgs they have to find the exact right amount of people that will pay the exact right amount of money that will allow them to do it you know period let alone do it again so Mm -hmm. i just the sad thing i wish that this conversation ended with here's a solution i don't have one other than art is too expensive to create in our capitalistic society there's no in a capitalistic society with like we have to provide something of value to get value back we we have priced out creation and unless you're a big time conglomerate it's very difficult to do and still live right like you can do it you can be the starving artist Mm -hmm. and put out your shit for free um but it's hard to do without a patron right like one of the reasons why i can do what i do is my wife makes significantly more money than me um we're not rich by any means but we can survive and feed our children because we both do something 
for mm-hmm. anybody else who is not in that exact same situation, it's pretty difficult to put out a product expensive as expensive as a TTRPG and still pay your bills. And it's just not yeah. worth it when it comes to capitalism. And I know I make it sound like it's the boogeyman. It's because it is, right? Like It, it is. <laughs> it is. And, like, the society that we live in, it just doesn't value anything creative ever, <laughs> usually. And you have to sell out at some point if you want to be successful, according to the system that already exists. Sure. There are exceptions, but, like, overarchingly. And I'm fine with selling out. It's a, it's a reality that we've had to talk about a lot, like, just in our stuff, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of artists are okay with selling out. But we don't have an avenue for them to right like i yeah every, every TTRPGs single... cannot sell out exactly <laughs> right like unless they get lucky you know they're not going to be the next monty cook right like that's not going to happen yeah. they're not going to break away and do the thing they might get noticed by by wizards you know someone over there goes hey we want to want you to work with us on this next book or whatever um mm-hmm. but that's one gig it's one job and you still end up working for the man in quotations your game is not going to be the next big D thing you're going to be part you're going to be pulled into the machine that is D and that's mm-hmm. the best case scenario um at least mm-hmm. realistically so there's just no way out so it, it's a little depressing and i hate to end on a sad note i just it's something that i think we all need to think about when it comes to our ttrpgs and the hobby that we love so much and when we talk about the realities of like one D potentially eking out even more people out of the system that you can make money off of or potentially a living um it's a it's a grim reality and like you said char it's something that we need to consider it's like do we want to support this do we tear this down and it's hard right because every time mm-hmm. i say hey guys let's just stop playing D, i don't get people cheering <laughs> no one's like hell yeah let's you're right let's switch to Merkborg. you're like ah, but i like D, right it's like yeah. you know uh it's like it's shoes they're they're probably made by children in some other country you gotta wear shoes there's no mm-hmm. ethical consumption under capitalism and i know it seems like an extreme uh thing com- to compare it to and it is that's way more concerning than artists not being able to draw stuff but it's not so far removed that it's completely different it's it's just not it's sad to see artists not be able to make these tables that they want to sell to rich people even <laughs> you know when you get like back to wormwood it's sad that we're not going to get the next D because no one can beat D and they don't even have the chance yet, to compete. Yet, right. I still hold. I have. I have like a little bit of hope. Not a lot, but like you know, I'm always rooting for capitalism to fall. <laughs> so sure. just because, just because of that, and that like just little engine that could inside of me, I'm just like maybe eventually somebody will come around, or a, a company will, or something. Because at this point, D and D is still attracting a lot of new people all the time. You're seeing more celebrities do it. I'm just like, maybe like, who knows? Maybe Joe Manganiello will open up like a a publishing company that does publish small TTRPGs. Maybe sure. somebody with money will come along. I don't know that. I don't want to say that's going to happen. But like, because the hobby keeps growing, like it can't be a monopoly forever. I don't think personally. I don't but think it can that's either. Just it. Right. A little little bright light. I don't know. No, no, you're 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 right there. The problem is necessarily 100% D&D, right? d is part of the problem for sure. But the bigger yeah. portion of capitalism is that even if you had the thing, people love your fucking game, you could compete with D&D. It's better in every single way. Where are you going to put it? How do you get people's eyes on it, right? Because people don't buy that shit at Walmart. 
Um, they don't even buy it at hobby stores. So you put it on Amazon. Well, then you're competing with not just D&D. You're competing with every other product on Amazon, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a bigger problem than just this industry. It's it's art, period, right? It's creating something that you want other people to enjoy. And there is a large gatekeeper of getting people's eyes on that. The, selling a product is one of the most difficult things to do possible. There's a reason why the first successful company I've ever made is just us talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, trying to sell people a thing is expensive and difficult to do and not valued if it's not already valuable um so to end on that really really sad note let's switch over what is the bs that you've been doing lissa what, what have you been up to i know we talked about your uh your sweet finish rock band experience but what else have you been doing um terry it's metal um, I, i'm sorry <laughs> oh, i am so old you don't listen to the rock and roll no no i we don't do the rock and roll just the rock part just the roll part uh just the the rock and metal rock and there's no rolling involved rock and metal sounds exactly like what a finnish person would say when it comes to music (laughs) i listen to the rock and metal um i've been playing more zero horizon zero dawn um i'm getting very excited with (laughs) what i'm seeing I, yeah, just the lore is just chef's kiss. I I love it. I and I get to ride a horse, and I'm a horse girl. So give me a horse. You get to ride a mechanical horse. I exactly mean, it, a mechanical horse. I get to steal a horse. You from also can ride nature. the mechanical bull. Um, I haven't gotten that far. Don't spoil it. I'm sorry. It's oh not. Gosh. It's. I'm sorry. It's not a like a story thing at all. It's just the ability I know, to I know you're, up that I, one. I, I, I am vaguely aware that like the stronger you get, the bigger uh, things you get to ride. Just those and, two things in that game. It's not. Oh, it's okay. a little disappointed. That's the reason why I was bringing it up. Is like temper your expectations if you enjoy riding the things. <laughs> um because i was really excited for that i was like oh the higher level like i'll be able to ride the the, the t-rex or something no 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 you, <laughs> just those two things um and I, I from what i understand maybe that changes in the sequel i didn't play the sequel so i don't know yet um yeah i i'm still getting through this one yeah. i'm only <laughs> level 15 so i wish that game was more linear and i don't say that about many games i I think most games like i want it to be this big open world but i wish that it was just level based and a little bit closer to something like uncharted or god of war a little bit more linear just because the game's so big and there's so many interesting side quests and stories sometimes it makes uh aloy's story the least interesting um which stinks because she's a really cool character and stuff i just like there's so many more things happening in that world where i'm like "Ah, i don't know if they devoted enough to her. I wish the story was maybe a little bit more focused on what's going on, but I mean, I think it. I think it's great that you have the option to choose. But mm-hmm. as a, a a completist, it's not great that I have to <laughs> focus on all of them at the Mood. same time. Right. Uh, <laughs> um. Well. Anyways, Charday, what about you? You've been playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. No, because I don't own a PlayStation. Game from twenty sixteen. Bitch. Um. <laughs> I've been playing. I'm still playing Pillars of Eternity to Dead Fire. That yet? No, it's huge. What the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> it's it's not as open world as Horizon Zero Dawn. That's pretty I'm big assuming, though. But there are a lot of side quests, and I still haven't left the first city. That you There's a lot no, more I to read in Pillars of City. Eternity too than there is in Horizon Zero Dawn. 
there i mean yeah there but all of of all if not most of it is fully voice acted too so i mean you can rest your eyes a bit and i mean if you're fans of critical role they have the critical role add-on to pillars of eternity too where you can literally take vox machina with you as (laughs) which is super cool and all the voice actors who are in the show voice characters in pillars of eternity too which is very interesting like, I pick out voice actors that I know from it all the time doing funny voices. So that's always a nice little Easter egg to find. That's enough for me to check but, it out because that's what I did with Disco Elysium. I was like, ah, I love this game. I just don't have the time to read it. I need something a little bit more passive. So when the, when I'm kicking on yeah. the story, I can start doing laundry. So when they added the voice acting uh, part, I'm like, okay, mm. I'm going to buy this game now. So knowing the Pillars of Eternity remember... 2 has that. I can't remember if Pillars of Eternity one is super fully voice acted. I know it's mo- it's mostly voice acted, but I think there might be a like a handful of lines you'll have to read. But I think the most important plot line stuff is fully voice acted because Pillars of Eternity one was kickstarted, and it had like a little bit less of a budget than the second one. Mm-hmm. And the second one, I just think I don't remember if any part of it was kickstarted. It might have been, but I know they they def- you could tell they definitely had a bigger budget because it's it's a bigger game and it has a lot more voice acting in it that i can tell and i just love any um any rpg that lets me romance an elf (laughs) plus you're a big fan of like crpgs right like definitely original sin one and two also that that, yeah Yeah. it's so nice too because i play pillars of eternity on console just because that's the i can't i don't have a big enough hard drive to play it on my (laughs) i love it specifically it's such a weird like issue like hard drive is like usually the last thing that everyone's worried about like everyone's like i don't have enough ram my graphics card isn't good enough you're just like no i just don't have enough storage i just have a listen half of my storage space is sims 4 mods and i'm not getting rid of them just buy an external hard drive like i'll buy you one for christmas like i I'll okay. you up like two terabytes they're not expensive I won't, it's i won't say no no um, but i was I gonna get you something to... cooler but i think hard drive space sounds like a thing that you just need i mean that or i'm also upper dice <laughs> <laughs> and that's the real thing right like you can afford to get hard drive space but instead you bought more dice listen yes <laughs> um. <laughs> one question before i move on to my thing is do i have to play pillars of, of eternity one to understand what's happening in pillars of eternity two is it the same so, characters yes okay. yeah i would re- i would recommend it you don't have to but pillars of eternity one you do play the the character that you play the watcher it carries is the over main character in the first one to the second one and if you have if you play on pc i think you're easily able to import your game but since i play on console um, they didn't have a system for that for some reason. Was Pillars of Eternity just... one not available on console? That could be the issue. No, it was no, no, it oh. was. It was. It, it, that's why it's so weird. So it, I play Pillars of Eternity one on Xbox, and then I play I'm playing Pillars of Eternity two also on Xbox. Gotcha. But they have a whole system where you can like go through um like this point by point like hey what decisions did you make in the first game sure, sure. and then you can basically take this quiz and I'm like I haven't played the first game in like a year and a half so I had to like look up everything I think I remember two things from like the list of decisions that I made in the first game because the first game is also very big and you yeah. make a lot of decisions in the game that do have ramifications which is great I love that but I had to go back and be like did I pick this this seems like the, the choice I would pick and then you know not really being 100% certain on some of the choices. It's cool but also that, in the though. second 
in the second game they give you the option to do turn-based combat which is so much better on console because combat if you play pillars of eternity on console is just a fucking nightmare so i was very happy when i could do like divinity style turn-based combat <laughs> yeah so see nice. it's like uh that or um what's uh uh not not bethesda what, dragon age uh it's it just like dragon age like people who don't pause the game and i'm like how did you beat this game i don't understand if you didn't use the, the full first tactical yeah so the first game is definitely you could feel it's more of a pc game but i would say like dragon age 2 and inquisition like i didn't have nearly as hard of a time no I they, they definitely implemented it yeah. but yeah. still it's like why wouldn't you just play this like basically turn-based um yeah exactly. <laughs> but like speaking of dragon age they did the same thing with their sequels you know doing the answer if you didn't carry it over and mass effect yeah they did, the key, did that yeah. um mm -hmm. if you didn't play it on xbox so if like when they came on a ps3 yeah, PlayStation. yeah exactly right, when they finally yeah. released those that's how they did it so you could still answer it so it's mm -hmm. cool they at least implemented something like that that's a good they way did, to get yeah, me into so any game all your choices yeah, yeah ma they matter which is nice <laughs> exactly like i i came from the old ps2 days i used to play dot hack sign which if you don't know it's like super anime game kind of plays like kingdom hearts and you would carry over your entire save and if you didn't do that you couldn't beat the next game because oh like like you what? get to level 100 at the end of the first game what the next game starts with you being at level 100 and all the enemies being oh. level 100 unless you started a new character and then you're back at level one uh oh, shit. so you would carry over that save so that was always a really cool nostalgic thing for me because not many games did that you know so if yeah. you go through the dot hack series leveling like leveling up your character and carrying it over the next save now yeah. it's pretty commonplace right you get things like witcher 3 or or like you mentioned like the, yeah you know carrying that i same carried character. over my i carried over my witcher 2 data to witcher 3 and i felt so cool when i did that because <laughs> <laughs> i'm like ooh, i get to start witcher 3 and all my choices mattered and it's they so kind cool. of did but then they they cut one of the best characters from the witcher 2 out of the witcher 3 so like, which character that sucked yorba which one's that? I don't know the names very the well. Elf! The Elf, Terry! Who else? They cut... <laughs> I, I, they cut them? Yeah, Yorvis. He's not in the game at all. Like, oh, yeah, but that's the thing. They cut him, though. Like, yeah, that's just not, like... They cut him out. They he's cut... not even in there. Yeah, but that's not the same thing. He wasn't a portion of it. It's not like they said, oh, that decision is retcon. It didn't matter that you did anything with Yorvis. No, right? basically. No, no, no. Basically, yeah. I I betrayed a character in order to side with the Elf. Right, <laughs> right. I do. But that, that um, still, then, you still side with the elves, like, when you carry over into Witcher 3. Yeah, like, yeah, I still sided with the elves, but I felt like my decision didn't matter as much because the person I betrayed was like, ah, it's cool. And I'm like, I don't know if your character would actually forgive me. <laughs> so for that's not the same thing as it being like cut. That. That's just you not agreeing with what they did with the character. Yeah, no, it was lazy. And also, where's your best? That's... <laughs> I want my elf. <laughs> that's, that's not the same thing. My one-eyed elf man. This is what we should have so done for Eye of the elf. Beholder so we could, so we could actually argue you instead of all being on the same page again uh next time we'll like, I'll, like let's just pick randomly different sides of elf conversations because that will get us heated no no random what do you mean Lissa's just gonna argue against everything exactly i, have to I, say I agree with that and it'll be a fascinating yeah, conversation random about it <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh well i i beat god of war ragnarok that's what i had been playing uh i love it it's very good I don't know if I love everything about it as much as I love 2018. Um, it's a still a much bigger game. There's way more stuff going on. Um, and it definitely comes back together in a way that I didn't expect. I thought it was going to be way more 
uh, mythological and crazy, and it really gets back to that smaller story by the end of the game, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But because they set up this huge epic grand tale through the rest of the game, I think that like that was most of my disappointment for it. I'd still say it's a masterpiece. I still think it's a very very good game. Uh, definitely worth the sixty dollars and the four hundred dollars I fucking put into it. So that's been really fun building lots of uh, model kits with my son. We just built a metal Gururumon from Digimon. Uh, you know, if you like doing Gunpla or any other Gundam kits, those are all on sale on Amazon. I picked it up for like 10 bucks. So go build model kits with your children in this holiday season. I'm about to go eat my weight in Turkey on like three different days. If you, uh, live in the Michigan, um, area around Flint, you go ahead and invite me. I will show up and eat things. Uh, I'm down <laughs> for it. Uh, I can rant more about D&D &D or TTRPGs or business stuff if you'd like. If you would like there to be some sort of transaction involved, I can do that until the turkey kicks in. Um, you know, hit me Christ. up. You can hit me up at can'tbekillcreations at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our little, like, contact us uh, page. Speaking of which, I don't know if you two responded to that email I forwarded you that came through the contact us. Okay, awesome. You're the best. Uh, <laughs> behind the, behind the, ignore the man behind the green curtain. Uh, <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at Cave Chills Pod. Uh, we will be on Hive soon as Twitter crumbles around us, so you can find us over there eventually, too. If you you want to support us and keep the lights on and the mics rolling head on over to patreon.com slash can't be killed creations you get this show early i think i i might not even edit this i might just put it up as is and people get it a week early because they didn't get an early episode last week um so i think if you're at the five dollar above uh tiers you get shows super duper early you also get bonus content like slovenly trolls after dark um you get slovenly trolls bonus content you know whatever things that they do over there i can't be in charge of these ladies that be too much <laughs> chaos for me uh you get Sh uh shars rewrites with some art by me and designed by lissa uh where she makes D, D content just better period that's just the end of the statement um this month they're getting dryads correct yep yep dryads sweet Dryad. uh, very um cool tree people people is probably the wrong word creatures tree creatures tree bitches tree bitches all right That's <laughs> I don't know. you said it i didn't say it and starting in december you can subscribe at the three dollar tier and get our books and uh, bitches and books bitches and books bitches and books podcast yeah nailed it bitches and books uh uh podcast uh patreon exclusive where we go over a book it's a book club basically we go over a book that we all read answer questions from the community if you are in the community and you hear me mentioning this and you go oh wait terry how do i get my questions in go over to patreon right now we're going to do a post and I, we already did one so you can post there or on a newer post get your questions in if you read along if you didn't read along and you just want to be chaos you can just post things i guess and i'll read them <laughs> on the show <laughs> like they asked if uh you know it eats all of the people at the end you know if pennywise gets all the kids he does that's what happens in this book uh slaying the dragon by ben riggs the secret history of tsr um not so secret there's some secrets in there but a lot of it you know the history of tsr but it was an interesting read and we're going to talk about it in december do we have anything else to add before i take a breath Mm, no but you also don't have to breathe <gasps> i have to <laughs> i would say remember to breathe um that's the only thing i don't have anything else to add i didn't forget <laughs> i was just busy saying all the stuff follow us on twitter while it still lives <laughs>
at slavenly trolls and at cave trolls pod <laughs> yes do it do it like we get all of your crazy stuff on there because it's gonna be deleted soon and no one Probably. will be remembering it or we'll get banned whatever comes first I, I've said some shit on there uh, that would probably offend Musk and cronies, so maybe uh, I could see, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, that's probably why you two run the Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> I usually I just when I post stuff I just get yelled at by big companies. So. I mean, listen, both assume I don't get yelled at. When I post <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I do. You're gonna start start getting attracted by by bigger companies again. No such thing as bad press. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Um, yeah, they, they add to the algorithm. Thanks right. for the engagement. Exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening. We are the Cave Trolls, and we're out. And we are done recording. Okay, now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our Patreon producers. You keep the lights on, you keep the mics rolling, and really, you make it possible to do all of this. We want to give a special shout-out. Thank you to the Lorax, who gets two special shout-outs, because I also thank you for speaking for the trees. We also have Jeremy Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only, and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you, and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now.